Kyiv targeted in massive drone attack. Uh, it was not just uh, an air raid alarm on, but also uh, it was ex there were explosions happening at all the time, so air defense was uh, was uh, in action. A prominent nationalist writer is the third pro-war public figure attacked in Russia. An Interior Ministry spokeswoman said a suspect had been arrested and that the incident was being treated as an act of terrorism. And later in the program, Ukraine won Eurovision in 2022. We'll hear from their 2023 entrant. Can they do it again? Today is Monday, May 8th. From the Voice of America, this is Flashpoint Ukraine. Good evening, I'm Steve Karish in Washington. Russia is evacuating its personnel from parts of the occupied Zaporizhia region. Is this because they are expecting fighting there to intensify? AP correspondent Charles Deladesma has the story. Russian installed authorities have begun evacuating residents of Tokmak, a town on the front line in the southern Zaporizhia region of Ukraine towards the Black Sea coast. Ukraine's general staff say the evacuations ordered by the Russian-backed governor of Ukraine's Zaporizhia province has raised fears that fighting in the area is about to intensify. The official added more than 1,500 people had been evacuated from two other cities in the region as of Sunday, with Ukraine officials confirming citizens leaving at least one of the cities. Moscow's troops seized the Zaporizhia nuclear plant soon after invading Ukraine last year, but Ukrainian employees have continued to run it during the occupation, at times under extreme duress. I'm Charles Diladesma. President Volodymyr Zelensky has made changes to a Soviet-era holiday in Ukraine. But first, Kyiv was targeted by a Russian drone attack overnight. Anna Chernikova has the latest. Yeah, it was quite a night uh, in Ukraine in general and especially in Kyiv because uh, most of drones were targeting Kyiv this time. Uh, and uh, I myself did not uh, go to sleep until three o'clock in the morning because um, uh, it was not just uh, an air raid alarm on, but also uh, it was ex there were explosions happening at all the time. So air defense was uh, was uh, in action, uh, and uh, so one of the drones uh, one of the drones was destroyed very close to my apartment building, and the explosion was really powerful. Um, the building was shaking a little bit, and you know, cars next to the building, uh, the sirens in the cars, the um, the security sirens were on as well and um unfortunately unfortunately five people in general were confirmed injured in kiev alone uh due to the attack because debris of this uh, drone uh hit residential building uh in the neighborhood next to mine, so and this is not not that not that far away from the central part of the city. Uh, for the moment, what we know that in Kiev, uh, a residential building was uh, damaged, uh, destroying a couple of apartment apartments at least. Uh, also, the road uh, at, at at some in some uh, neighborhoods, uh, also uh, dozens of cars. Uh, unfortunately, uh, went on fire uh, due to the debris uh, heat. 
uh, and um, and in general, now it was quite tough, you know, emotionally and and physically for people. But um, good news, of, of course, for Ukrainians and for Ukrainian air defense that Ukrainian air defense managed to destroy all the drones that were targeting Kyiv. Now, Anna, these drones that um, Moscow sends to Kyiv, these are not small. These are about the size of small cars, I understand. Is that right? Uh, yes, this is like little, well, little planes, maybe. <laughs> I think this is the be better way to put it. But when the drone approaching, uh, the sound that you hear uh, is very similar to, to, to a motorbike sound. So it's... Um, it's it's quite a big thing if you if you look at it uh you know uh if you look at it uh, closely so they can be quite dangerous when they're falling from the sky especially if they're on fire when they're falling uh they are and uh, this is also one of the things that a ukrainian military um is trying to explain civilians uh, all the time that uh please be in the secure place be uh, hide uh, in the bomb shelters until the end of air alarm because it's not only the danger from the direct heat but but also there is a big danger from the heat by the debris. And I'd like to follow up with you on something we spoke about last week. Um, President Zelensky today made an announcement changing a holiday in Ukraine. We talked about the importance of May 9th in Russia. Can you tell us uh, what's going on? What did he change? In his speech to, uh, to the nation today, uh, President Zelensky uh, marked uh, May 8th as, as the day of remembrance and victory over Nazism in the Second World War. And he announced that from this year on, this would be the main holiday in Ukraine, uh, getting away from this tradition uh, from the, that comes from USSR, remembering uh, the, um, the day uh, of victory on May 9th that was uh, that was uh, established in, in, in the USSR and that Russia is following. Uh, so basically from this year on, May 8th would be the main uh, day. Uh, as in Europe, uh, Ukraine will join European nations uh, to remember uh, the victory over Nazi regime and in, in the Second World, World War. And this would be May 8th. And May 9th would from now on be the day of Europe. And again, Ukraine will join European nations in celebrating this uh, on, the, on the 9th of May. Now, it's easy for one to assume that he's making this change to further separate the Ukrainian country from the, the Russian culture and the Soviet background. Do, do you think that's what's happening? Yes, absolutely. And um, I can tell you that um, this was... Um, under discussion in Ukraine, the change uh, to May to, to May eighth as the the main day of remembrance uh, uh, of the Second World War. Uh, this was for quite a quite a long time in Ukraine, and uh, it started uh, years ago before the war. I mean, even uh, I, I should say, uh, especially after the beginning of war in 2014. But even before, people were kind of talking about this. But of course, after 2014, people uh, really discussed this uh, matter a lot. And um, and it was even during Poroshenko presidency, it was, um, it was um, uh, already introduced that May 8th would be also the day 
of remembrance and uh, it was happening, but it was not uh, like, you know, this official change. And this year, uh, finally, the government and President Zelensky himself uh, finally made these changes official. So from this year on, this would be uh, the new, let's say, the new historic um, course for Ukraine, but basically just, you know, going away from this. uh, In Ukraine, it's considered Russian propaganda, USSR even propaganda, if we look back, because May 9th was only the main victory day for, for USSR and Russia, not not other allies. And we'll leave it there for today. Anna Chernikova in Kiev. Anna, thanks so much for your time. Thank you, Steve. The head of Russia's Wagner mercenary group appeared on Sunday to ditch plans to withdraw his forces from Bakhmut in eastern Ukraine after receiving promises overnight that they would get all the arms needed to capture the city. Rachel Judah has more. The head of Russia's Wagner mercenary group appeared on Sunday to ditch his threat to withdraw his forces from the grinding battle for Bakhmut. He's now saying he's received promises of as much ammunition and weaponry as required in order to continue the months-long assault on the devastated city. Yevgeny Prigozhin's recent comment comes just days after he vowed to withdraw on May 10th due to a lack of weapons. As well as the release of this graphic video, in which, surrounded by dead bodies, he very publicly blamed and named Russian government officials for a lack of ammunition, he says, led to the mass slaughter of his Wagner fighters. The battle for Bakhmut, which Russia sees as a stepping stone to other cities, has been the most intense of the conflict. It's cost thousands of lives on both sides in months of grinding warfare. Despite Progrosian's threat to withdraw, Ukraine had warned that Wagner fighters were actually reinforcing positions to try and seize it before Russia marks World War II Victory Day next week. Meanwhile, as Ukraine continues to prepare its long-awaited spring counteroffensive, Moscow-installed officials are evacuating the area around the Russian-held Zaporizhia nuclear power station. The UN nuclear watchdog, the IAEA, is warning the situation around the plant is now unpredictable and dangerous. Around 80% of the Zaporizhia region is held by Moscow, but the Ukrainian offensive is viewed as likely to take in the region. That's Reuters' Rachel Judah reporting. A prominent Russian nationalist writer, Zakhar Prelipin, was wounded in a car bombing that killed his driver on Saturday, an attack that Russia immediately blamed on Ukraine and the West. It's the third such attack on pro-war figures in Russia since the start of its full-scale invasion. Olivia Zelino has more. A prominent Russian nationalist writer was wounded in a car bombing on Saturday, and his driver was killed in what is the third such attack on pro-war figures since Russia began its full-scale invasion of Ukraine. The Russian government has immediately blamed Ukraine and the West for the incident. The State Investigative Committee said Zakhar Prilepin's vehicle was blown up in a village about 250 miles east of Moscow. Prilepin is a novelist with a large following, known for being an outspoken supporter of Russia's actions in Ukraine. An Interior Ministry spokeswoman said a suspect had been arrested and that the incident was being treated as an act of terrorism. Kyiv has denied Russia's claim they were responsible for the deaths of the two previous bombing targets. 
military blogger Vladin Tatarsky, and Daria Dugina, the daughter of a nationalist ideologue. Olivia Zolino of Reuters reporting for us today. You're listening to VOA's Flashpoint Ukraine. I'm Steve Karish. Senior members of the South African government have told VOA they're working hard to make it possible for Russian President Vladimir Putin to visit the country free of concern about being arrested. Putin's supposed to attend the summit of the BRICS countries in Cape Town in early August, but the International Criminal Court, the ICC, has issued an arrest warrant for him for alleged war crimes in Ukraine. As a signatory to the ICC charter, South Africa's African National Congress, the ANC, administration is obliged by law to execute the warrant. Darren Taylor reports. Senior member of President Cyril Ramaphosa's cabinet, Obed Bapela, points out several countries have amended the ICC laws contained in their constitutions to allow them to act according to their own interests. He says the United Kingdom did so years ago, mainly to prevent former Prime Minister Tony Blair from ever being tried by the ICC in connection with the Iraq war. As a result, Pinochet, the dictator of Chile, stayed in Britain and died in Britain with a warrant of arrest, and Britain never arrested him because of the statute it was domesticated. And I think the domestication is the route that will then be going as the ANC and EC took a decision on. Papela says it's not in South Africa's best interests to arrest the leader of a fellow BRICS member. South Africa will never arrest Putin. It's a declaration of war, as already Dmitry Medvedev said, that any country that arrests Putin, we are declaring war on us. And it's like when you say you go and arrest the president of U.S., no one will arrest the president of U.S. Nowhere in the world will they ever be arrested. The BRICS summit is to be held in Cape Town, which is in the Western Cape, the only province in South Africa not governed by the ANC. Western Cape Premier Alan Windy, who's a member of chief opposition party the Democratic Alliance, told a meeting on Tuesday he had a warning for Putin and the ANC. I see the president and the ANC are flip-flopping all over the place. Now they're going to support him, then they're not going to support him, then they're going to be part of the ICC, then they're not part of the ICC. There's no flip-flopping here in the Western Cape. If Vladimir Putin comes here, our law enforcement officers will arrest him and send him to the courts. But legal expert Mpumulelo Zikalala says Wendy's mistaken if he thinks this is going to happen. You can't say as a premier, this is what I'm going to instruct, because they do not get instructions from you, they get the instructions from the commissioner and not you as a premier. You can't effect an arrest warrant as a premier or instruct someone to go and effect it, because you simply have no powers in doing so. You are a political head of a particular province, and that's where it starts and that's where it ends. Several government officials have told VOA that South Africa's ICC laws will be amended. But, says Zikalala, such changes would be subject to parliamentary approval. With the ANC's majority in parliament, there's no doubt they'd become law, but not before likely objections from opposition parties, which would delay the process. So the government remains concerned the ICC legislation won't be changed in time for the BRICS summit. For VOA News, I'm Darren Taylor in Johannesburg. 
Eurovision 2023 kicked into full swing on Sunday. And while Ukraine's Kalush Orchestra won the 2022 contest in Italy, Kyiv is unable to host this year's Eurovision, as is customary for the winner, because of Russia's full-scale invasion. Therefore, the 2023 Song Contest is being held in Liverpool, on Ukraine's behalf, with the theme United by Music. Ahead of May 9th's first semi-final performance, VOA's Steve Miller spoke with Andriy Uslak and Jeffrey Kenny, known as Tvorchi, who are representing Ukraine this year via Zoom. I guess where I want to begin is with your song, Heart of Steel, this year's entry into the Eurovision Song Contest. Jeffrey, how did it come to be? Well, we um, wrote the song last, uh, last year, early last year. Um, we didn't like pick a topic to write about, so we just kind of wrote it from how we were feeling. It was early um, during the during the invasion, so we kind of just put all that into the song, how we felt into the song, and yeah, we didn't uh, <clears throat> we didn't expect to use it for the competition because we didn't know we we're gonna. At that time, we didn't plan or we didn't even know we were going to apply for the competition. So everything just kind of fell into place. But uh, um, the message of the song is strong, and that's why um, we're using the song to uh, represent the Ukraine this year. You know, you, you said that you weren't planning on using the song or even really uh, knowing that you were going to apply to, to represent Ukraine for this year's 67th Eurovision Song Contest. Andre, can you explain how it came together? Um, you know, like, I think every artist and every person who is involved into art has its own, you know, uh, own ways to create different things. Is it a painter or movie or music? For us, it's just some kind of thing, you know, you just, every inspiration is everywhere. So you just go there, do, and then you have it. Like, you just, you know, you don't think when you do actually, you just get like some some inner energy. I don't know how to call it. It's very hard to explain. You just, you just do and... and uh, like, it, it internally it. resonates and just manifests. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I have a, a question about how you guys came together because, you know, reading reading some of your biography, you, you were both in university you know andre you're ukrainian uh, jeffrey you're from nigeria how did you yeah. meet you know I, I i you know i i have a chemistry and biology backgrounds so i used to dance and sing in the lab while i was you know doing my experience uh, experiments so but but how did y'all come together it was a random day and uh, i just you know we met on the street I saw Jeffrey walking, I tapped his shoulder and say, hey, I would like to check out my English skills. And you know, we can, uh, gonna teach you some Ukrainian. So that's how we met and how the friendship started. But the most interesting fact is that I never meet people outside like that. This was just once in my life. And I don't know, in my head, I had the time just to win. No, it's no thoughts, you know. So, and then after some time, we discovered that we actually in the same university, same faculty. And after one like year, we discovered that we can do music you know, together. It was also like the first song was made like we just sit sit on my kitchen, ate pasta, drank some beer, and uh, I played some music that I made. And Jeffrey just started writing lyrics, and then we recorded the song, and then we released, 
and then after that song goes another song and another so just everything goes by its natural way you know seems like our, our organic progression is, is a theme to your relationship along with some good food and good drink jeffrey you know in, in one of your previous interviews you mentioned that you know you more or less have a mission this year one of strength one of courage it's represented by the song heart of steel you know given what's taking place in ukraine right now and the theme of this year's eurovision united by music how does it feel to be in liverpool representing ukraine and what's the reception been like thus far um it's, it's a very surreal experience uh, we feel you know at home we feel welcome we feel uh, supported and we feel loved as well and uh, everyone's been extremely nice and welcoming it just feels amazing and we're having a good time uh, um, interacting with everybody we're having a um, good time looking at all the um, installations although we haven't seen all of them but we would like to uh, but everything is going well and there's not much else I can say but it's been yeah it's just been wonderful and we want to say a huge thank you uh, to the UK and everyone involved as well um, for hosting and for organizing and you know everything just went so smoothly so amazing and andrew you also said previously that it was important uh for the world to recognize how strong and united ukraine has become during this war first of all um we heard like we saw some comments that ukraine likes to be pitied but we want to say we don't like to be pitied we don't want to be pitied we want to be an inspiration for all people around the planet and we don't wish nobody feel the same like we feel and well what what type of time we live and what we have because this is terrible and um, by our example we want to inspire people to be stronger because everyone in the on the planet has hard times for sure because it's life you don't have you know sweet life everyone has some troubles and hard times and uh, we hope we can inspire people be like that too to stay in a good attitude in a negative situation you know to to be united to don't give up no matter how hard it is just go forward and everything will be okay as defending champs ukraine does not have to perform during the semi-final rounds to get through to the grand final you're automatically in it does that make things easier or more difficult in terms of preparing for the grand final coming up on Saturday? Um, well, I guess it's just uh, more time to polish things up, I guess. <laughs> so we're not really worried about, uh, you know, whether we have to perform in the semifinals or not. It's not like uh, it doesn't, you know, take away anything from uh, the fact that uh, we know what we want to do and we're just going to do exactly that. But at the same time, um, we are more focused, you know, on uh, winning the war, but besides that as well, we are more focused on representing uh, Ukraine as best as we can and uh, also making a, a very good performance that uh, people can be proud of, that Ukrainians can be proud of as well. So, semi-finals, finals, we're just uh, happy to be here and uh, we're satisfied, best. yeah, we're satisfied to show different music from Ukraine, show uh, different music also that's uh, different you know from the uh, typical eurovision uh, uh you know uh, how do i say typical eurovision um, hmm? performances format, yeah. typical eurovision format yeah so that's all we said just want to do <laughs> so if we have to perform in semi-finals it's okay as well finals it's okay as well anything is <laughs> satisfactory for us we're yeah. just happy to show something 
Andre Usulak and Jeffrey Kenny are Tvorchi, who are representing Ukraine in this year's Eurovision Song Contest. The first semifinal is on Tuesday, May 9th, and the grand final, May 13th. I'm VOA's Steve Miller, and this is their song, Heart of Steel. And that'll do it for us today. Stay up to date with continuing coverage on Ukraine and news from around the world 24 hours a day. Visit us online at voanews.com and on social media be sure to follow VOA News. On behalf of the entire Flashpoint Ukraine team, thanks for listening. Until next time, I'm Steve Karish. This is the voice of America. Washington, bam, 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 zip, D.C.